CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hit it! It is time, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to fight back against the mainstream media Democrat Party cabal turning bad things good and good things bad. Stand by. The doors to the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in. Sit back and relax as we unfold today's edition of the Ledger Report. And in San Diego, one anchor man was more man than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. the problem in Portland in, I say, less than a half an hour. It would be so. But they don't want to tell us. Stop it. Uh, that would be the President of the United States talking to a crowd, I believe, in Arizona, uh, made up of largely Latino population. I hate dividing Americans by ethnic background, by skin color, by hair color, by race, by height, by weight. Exactly what the Democrat Party does, right? balkanizes this country, balkanizing this republic. This would be the downfall of the United States of America, allowing the Democrat Party mainstream media cabal to balkanize, that is, tear apart into little factions and fractions what was once a united republic. It's what we are witnessing in the streets of Los Angeles. It is what we are witnessing in the streets of Seattle, as the president is uh, referring to there, and he's referring to Portland and Seattle. We're witnessing the balkanization of this republic, the tearing it, the internal shredding it. Instead of the United States of America, clearly, they intend, that would be the Democrat mainstream media cabal, they intend into turning us into the divided states of America. Why would they want to divide the United States of America? Well, it's very simple. It's the old adage, uh, united we stand, divided we fall. It's much easier to make over anything, in this case, a country, if you have chaos and you don't have unity, right? Same thing applies to a marriage. It's much easier to break up a marriage if your intent was to break up a marriage. Say you're a bad guy coveting a neighbor's wife. Much easier to break up that marriage and get what you want if that marriage is already in a state of chaos, is already divided. That marriage is not functioning like a marriage, is not functioning as one. And so we have elements in this country that are not functioning as one, that are not working together as Americans. And I feel so sorry for the President of the United States because I know he comes out here and he speaks from his heart, like I do. And 
he's talking to these people and saying, hey, listen, we can solve the situation in Portland rather quickly. Uh, we solved it to a degree in Seattle. You're never going to fix Seattle. Seattle, you folks who live in Seattle, you good people who happen to care about the United States Constitution, there's only one way to fix Seattle. Fight or flight, yes. So if you're going to fight, you've got to take it to City Hall. You've got to reclaim your government. You've got to reclaim your leadership. Same thing important. President comes out, speaks from the heart. He says, hey, we can fix this. We can fix it like that. Of course they can fix it like that. It's called enforcing law and order. It's called respecting the Constitution. It's called understanding the Bill of Rights and the foundation of the Republic based on a civil society. What we're seeing in Portland, what we are seeing in Seattle, and what we are seeing sporadically on the streets of Los Angeles, and I'm going to get into that in just a moment, uh, is an attack on the civil society. And you have this nutcase governor in California continuing to be the devil. I firmly believe if, if, if you are a guard, God-fearing American, think about Gavin Newsom from a good and evil perspective. This guy is evil personified. He has taken what Jerry Brown has given him and he's multiplied it by a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million. He's going for it. He is going full throttle Marxist socialist in California. The more he imposes his radical agenda and philosophy on the people of California, the more the state sinks into constitutional oblivion and economic chaos. And the more that happens, the more Governor Newsom uh, layers more and more elements of government on the people of California. And so this is the, the spiral. It's a death spiral. Fires is climate change. We're going to have to tax more. More taxation on the good people of California. If there are some good people left in California, even the bad people of California, more taxation. Climate change. How do they fight climate change? They tax. And they force people to do what they don't want to do. For example, the reason why there are brownouts in California, we've covered this ground before, is because there is a mandate in California that X amount of the energy from the grid has to be green, renewable energy, and there isn't enough of it to fit this ratio in California when there's a high demand. And so therefore, there's brownouts, there's blackouts. When there's plenty of energy on the grid, it's just sitting out there. But the governor and the leadership in California say, ah, no, 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 no. We have this formula. And don't you know Joe Biden and company, they want to bring that to the federal level. They want to impose this radical kind of thinking and philosophy, especially when it comes to so-called climate change. They want to impose it on all 50 states. So what you're seeing in California is the canary in the coal mine for the rest of this country. And so here we have the president talking about law and order. There's chaos in California in terms of law and order. Two L.A. sheriff's deputies shot in their patrol cars. That doesn't happen when you have a foundation of a civil society, when you have what you would consider law and order in a society. It doesn't happen. And the president sees this, and he sees what's going on in Portland, and he tells folks, hey, you know what? We can fix this. 
We can fix it easy. It's called calling the police. It's called respecting the police. It's calling it enforcing the tenets of our Constitution, which is the very foundation for a civil society which is under assault in this republic by the Democrat media, mainstream media cabal. And the president is clearly frustrated, as are we, to see this chaos in the street, to see this anarchy in the streets. He says, I have a solution. Roll tape. And the crowd loves it, by the way. They don't want to call us in. And uh, every place we've gone, we solve it immediately. We, we just, uh, Seattle is an example. They took over a piece of the city. And we said, what are you doing? Stop and tape. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing exactly? Oh, well, we just have a few anarchists uh, out there surrounding the uh, federal courthouse. Don't, don't pay any attention to it. We put some uh, fencing around it. That'll be fine. Instead, the anarchists, the Antifa, the Black Lives Matter, whoever these people are, it doesn't matter. They're all one and the same. They're anti-constitutionalists. They're anti-civil society. They're anti-everything that God-fearing, red-blooded Americans stand for. So... Those people use the fence as weapons. They tear little pieces of it out and they sharpen it up or they shape it into a sword and then they attack uh, the good people who come down there to maybe defend the courthouse or the police officers, the few who are actually deployed to the scene to try and maintain some law and order. And the federal government said, the hell with this. That's federal property and we're going to defend it. And right they should. But what is the big picture here? What are, what, are, what are we witnessing from the Democrat Party mainstream media cabal? They have turned bad guys into good guys and good guys into bad guys. And this is why I keep repeating the refrain. If you are part of the silent majority out there. If there is a silent majority that still exists in this country, it better speak up now. You've seen those videos on social media of a white guy. And again, I hate to use ethnicity here, but this is what we're seeing over and over and over again of a white guy being beat up in the streets by a mob of blacks or uh, another mob of blacks going into a fast food restaurant and creating absolute chaos and destroying private property. It's unbelievable, the videos that we're seeing here. And no, it's not all only blacks. There, I've seen videos of uh, white people with megaphones going up to folks just trying to eat dinner outside. Of course, they have to eat outside because of the Wuhan coronavirus and the government response to it which is another farce and another element of the mainstream media Democrat cabal attack on the civil society in order to try and fix the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. But I've seen white people out there with megaphones saying, hey, black lives matter. Black lives matter. They're right there with the NBA. And that's part of the problem, right? So the the mainstream media Democrat cabal are turning the thugs, the rioters, the Antifa, the people in Portland, the people in Seattle. That thug who shot and, fought and, uh, and wounded two Los Angeles sheriff deputies, the radical politicians 
the NFL, the NBA, and the people who wear masks and the Karens out there that are enforcing the mask police, of course, they're turning these people, the thugs, the rioters, the bad people into the good. And this is the war. This is the dividing line. And the good people of our society, that would be the police and people who actually believe and adhere to the United States Constitution and normal, red-blooded, patriotic Americans and anti-mask people, well, they are the bad in this society. I have seen little snippets from the National Football League. Um, I'm not watching. I cannot watch. The NFL left me years ago. Frankly, it left me when they started putting uh, dumb blondes down on the sideline reporting on you know, uh, marriages and, and relationships. And This is really one of the dumbest things I've ever seen, but you know, it's the way the networks are and it's the way the NFL is. It's probably an edict from the NFL for all I know. You've got to have a woman down on the sidelines. Why? <laughs> what does she know about running down the field in a jock and a cup exactly. I hate to get graphic, uh, but there are certain um, things that men are more privy to than than women. And women are privy to things that I'm not privy to. But it's a joke. So the NFL left me a long time, even before the, the feminization, if you will, of the National Football League left me a long time. I've never been a fan of the NBA Ever, Because I've seen their antics and I've watched their antics from afar for many, many years. This is really not terribly surprising to me. I have Black Lives Matter on the parquet floor of a high school gym, looks like. They're playing there in Orlando. Doesn't really surprise me all that much. These are spoiled, rotten, out-of-touch young people in this country with too much time on their hands and too much money. But I've seen snippets from the NFL where one um, start of the season, two teams on the field for the kickoff, and I I think the way this happened is the kicker on one team, you know, as you typically do, you kick to the other team, right, to start the season. You're the start of the game. Well, apparently they all took a knee except the kicker kicked the ball and the, and the ball went off into the end zone and it was a touchback because the players didn't move. Because 11 guys on one side and 11 guys on the other took a knee. Now, there's no audience there, right? There, there are no fans in the stadium. But there are people watching on television. And the fact that they're tuning in and watching on television means they're buying a ticket. And in some cases, I think you actually do buy the NFL ticket or whatever they call it. So you're paying for that game one way or another. You're paying for that game either directly through the NFL and these packages or indirectly by having to watch the commercials. You're paying for that game. Now, you paid those guys to kick the ball and run down the field, but they didn't. Um, To me, that's breach of contract. And anybody who is still watching the National Football League after something like that, you know, it's bad enough that half the teams are not coming out for the national anthem, and if they do come out, they take a knee, and then they're playing the black national anthem? What the hell is the black national anthem? We have one anthem 
in this country. And it's called the Stars Spangled Banner. And this is, again, part of the balkanization process. To play, this is not like we're playing a team from Canada, right? Or a team from Mexico, and you want to respect them because it's another country. This is our country. We have one country. We have one national anthem. There is no team from Mexico standing on the other sideline, so we're going to play the Mexican national anthem or the Canadian national anthem. These are Americans. Yeah, they might be different skin colors. Who cares? But we're all Americans united under that flag and under one national anthem. Yet here you have the NFL playing the black national anthem. I mean... Where are you silent majority black people? Is there a silent majority of black people out there? I don't know. I know there are plenty of patriotic blacks out there. So this is your moment. This is your moment to take charge of this situation and let these morons, anti-constitutionalists, anti-Americans, frankly, let them know what you think about this attack on our civil society. By the way, I have to excuse uh, have you excuse these uh, headphones. These are my old school headphones. We're having some audio difficulties here at the Ledger Compound and the uh, production studios of the Ledger Reports being worked on. But this is the best way that uh, I can hear myself and I can hear uh, from President Trump and I can come to you right now. We'll we'll work on this and we'll make sure it's not so, uh, you know, 1960s uh, era look here. Um, but we're all in this together with the headphones. We're, we're, right? We're, we're all in this together. Together, we will make it through. Aren't you sick of that? Aren't you sick and tired of these messages from these corporations who were so quick to hop on the COVID-19, we're all in this together bandwagon. What fools, what fools they are to buy into this and to capitulate to the government response to the Wuhan coronavirus. I, when I hear one of those commercials on the radio, and yeah, I still listen to radio a lot, or I don't watch television, but when I encounter something like that, I encountered it at uh, Costco way back, I don't know, it was probably April. And they had one of those speakers they were trying to sell, and it had a recording going on. It was one of those speakers that changed colors every time there was an inflection in the voice. So it went from purple to green to red to white to orange, depending on the inflection of the voice or as the cadence changed. I don't know what the, the algorithm is on that, how it's programmed. But the recording was, hi, welcome to Costco. Please keep your social distancing, and of course, don't forget to wear a mask. We're all in this together. Oh, my. I mean, this was on a repetition wheel of some kind. It was on repeat, and it was only like a 15, 20-second announcement, right? So every 15, 20 seconds, you heard the same thing, big brother. You heard the same thing, George Orwell. You heard the same thing, 1984, over and over and over and over and over, all day long at this Costco. 
I was so offended by this, I took a video of it, posted it on my social media, and challenged Costco to stop playing Big Brother. And by the way, the Costco did. I don't know if it saw. It probably just got a lot of negative feedback from the shoppers. But I am tired of this. I'm tired of the mask police. I'm tired of walking in to my dentist's office that I've been going to for more than a decade, and I'm wearing one of these shields, you know, they, they say a mask required. Okay, it's a private business. Yep. I need to get my tooth worked on because it hurts. And you know what? I'm, I'm not in the mood for a fight because I know what they're going to do as soon as I open up that door, mask required, and they're going to scream at me. So I wore one of these clear things, right, that they use with the glasses and the... And um, instantly they pull out the gun, the temperature reading gun. And, you know, I have a problem with this because it is looking like a gun. Now, this is a pen. It doesn't look like a gun. But you know what I'm talking about. So they check your temperature going in. And a lot of the times what they've been doing, and I've noticed a change, and maybe the word is out, I hope, that first they were pointing it at your head and then taking the temperature. Now I see they're doing the wrist, and that is way less offensive. But it's offensive anyway to take my temperature. Why is it offensive? Because I'm not guilty. You walk through that door, they take your temperature, they are presuming guilt until innocence, until proven innocent. And that's not the way we are in this country. I'm sorry. Same thing with the mask. You are guilty, right? The whole reason for the mask is to protect other people. So this presuming guilt. It's the opposite of what we are in this country. I am so sick and tired of this mask mandate when there is umpteen evidence out there, and I've talked about this ad nauseum right on the CDC website, and it keeps getting blocked on Facebook. I take the page right out of the CDC website, and it's blocked on Facebook because it violates their community standards. Facebook's part of the problem, and we know this. We know this. Social media are not free speech. They are not. Twitter, Facebook, Google, Parler, they're okay. There's some bugs in there, and I'm a Parler user, all right? But they're all pretty much the same. LinkedIn, you know, they all have their own, quote, standards, and the standards are arbitrary based on whoever they want to give the standard book to. And so to review my posts that are ripped straight from the, you know, a, a picture straight from the CDC website, a screenshot straight from the CDC website, and to say it violates their community standards. Come on. Come on. Now, is that, a, is that just an algorithm? Or is that a person in a wife beater t-shirt in the basement in New York somewhere? Or China? Or maybe it's both. Because how could you... How could you reject something from the CDC website and then give a disclaimer saying, go to the CDC website for the truth? (laughs) It's on the CDC website. I pulled it from the CDC website. They block it and say, go to the CDC website for the truth. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, the the society we live in. I don't want to be treated like a suspect anymore. When does this end? Does it end on November 4th? Does it end the day after the election? 
I've been thinking about this a lot, and I I firmly believe that if Donald Trump is reelected and is God is shining on this country, because from a, a Christian perspective, from a Judeo-Christian perspective, there's only one candidate to vote for. And any Catholics out there and any Jews out there who vote other than there's two main candidates, okay? And one stands with God and the Constitution, and one stands against God for abortion and against the Constitution. So there's really no choice. You Jews out there, you Catholics out there who are voting for Joe Biden, you really need to do some soul searching as to whether you really are a Christian slash Catholic and you really are a functioning, practicing Jew. Because a vote for a candidate that supports abortion and supports the attacks on our civil society and supports Marxist socialist radical agenda, that is a vote against God. That is a vote against God. And Donald Trump is not a perfect human being. He is a human being. But he is the closer to accepting the word of God than the other candidate. It's just that simple. And so what happens after the election on November 4th? Am I not treated like a suspect anymore? Am I able to walk? You know, it used to be kind of fun to walk into a restaurant and, you know, as a, as a person who's been on television for a little while, every once in a while, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm a very private person, don't go out to eat a lot, I don't go out a lot, and I like to keep my privacy private. But every once in a while, you know, it's kind of nice to go out and get noticed um, when you walk in the, the door of a restaurant and, and get treated uh, well sometimes, and sometimes you get harassed. <laughs> Trust me, it's a two-edged sword. You never know. You never know. You could be walking right into enemy territory, especially if you're going into a restaurant in California. Texas, eh, I wouldn't worry about it. But um, how in the hell are we ever going to get back to something like that? Say you're a pretty girl, pretty woman, and you walk into a bar or a restaurant, heads turn. That's the way it should be. How in the hell are you supposed to do that with a mask on? Now, I could get real sexist here, and I won't. I guess a mask, in a way... um, Makes us all equal to uh, some people for, for various reasons. But in the end, it's a sign of subordination. And we are capitulating to government. And that is not what God would want us to do. God gave us free will to do, hopefully, good on this earth. And that is an attack, wearing a mask, forcing people to be six feet apart, not allowing people to meet in church. That is an attack on our God-given rights. So on November 4th, Donald Trump re-elected. I've molded this over a lot. For example, California. Again, the canary in the coal mine. Uh, what happens in California? Well, I, I think that Gavin Newsom is drunk on power. And I think Pritzker is in Illinois, and I think Cuomo is in New York, and Wolf in Pennsylvania, even though Wolf gets slapped down by the courts, he's still drunk on power. In New Jersey, Whitmer, in Michigan, I think they're all drunk on power. 
And I think the pain is going to continue in these in these blue states while the red states go on and live live. And it's going to be fascinating to see what happens, right? I mean, how can you have life go on in Texas, very large state, in terms of population and in terms of land mass? How can you have life go on normal after November four, uh, November November third, um, relatively normal? Because that governor has really disappointed me. He, I don't know, is Abbott really a rhino? I, I haven't studied it that much, but I've seen signs. You folks in Texas, let me know. But how how can you have Texas function as normal or close to normal while California remains under lockdown? And this crazy color-coding, move-the-goalpost system that this nutcase, drunk-on-power, radical Marxist-socialist governor has come up with. 58 counties, the vast majority are in square one. Like, like the Wuhan coronavirus just hit in March. He came out with this new system for 58 counties, and most of them are stuck in square one. Like they've done no mitigation. And if you really dig and you, and you look at the criteria for getting out of tier one into tier two and tier two into tier three and finally into tier four. Tier four is not normal, by the way. Tier four is uh, life with modifications, whatever the hell those are. Um, but the criteria has to be coming near to zero cases of the Wuhan coronavirus. <laughs> what? It's not realistic. Of course it's not realistic. Is that the criteria to keep the economy functioning in California prior to the coronavirus, during the flu season? Got to have no flu cases in school, otherwise we shut school down. Does that make sense to anyone in California? Oh, well, it's for the safety of the children. Well, we know that the death rate among children is near zero. Near zero. And there is no known transmission that I know of, and I've kept my ear to the rail from day one, and if you know of one, let me know, but there is no documented known transmission of the Wuhan coronavirus from child to adult. Tell me if I'm wrong. I want to know. I have no evidence, not a single one, of transmission from a child to an adult. Oh, yep. The schools in California are largely closed down because of this crazy governor. And too many Californians swallowing the Kool-Aid. And I am tired of being treated like a suspect. I am tired of people screaming, where's your mask? I am tired of walking into a business establishment and having a gun pointed at me to take my temperature. Like, I am guilty. I am tired of hearing these ads on the radio and the television saying, we're all in this together. We're not all in this together. We are individuals. We are rugged, individual Americans. And we stand up and fight. We don't cower. As a society, we have been forced to cower to a virus. To a virus. Kind of example is this setting for my 25-year-old daughter. Go home, stay home, lose your job, the government's going to pay you to stay home and do yoga and learn a foreign language. This is 
This is absolutely crazy. And to top it all off, this attack on our civil society and the shooting of these two Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies. Now, I have a very close friend whose daughter is a Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputy. And when this went down, I was worried because this unit was a younger woman deputy and a, and a relatively young, um, I think he was even younger. I think she's 31 and he's 24. So it was a man and woman unit sitting in their car. We've all seen the video of this midget. I don't know who they, who the hell is this? They say he's a black man. Surprise, huh? Of what's uh, in Compton, a black suspect in Compton shooting police. How shocking when you look at what's going on in Los Angeles and our civil society and the glorification of the thugs and the rioters and the looters in Los Angeles and the mayor coming out and saying, hey, social distance when you rob that store, okay? Wear a mask when you bash people's head in in the streets, okay? So why would it be surprising that the suspect's black shooting, I believe, their two white patrol... It doesn't matter. I guess it does matter. I don't know what matters anymore in terms of skin color. It's part of the balkanization process. I thought we were all Americans, but apparently we're not. So we have a black suspect shooting two white officers. And so I tune in to see what the local reporting is like, and it is abominable. It is shameful. It is disgusting. Because the media in Los Angeles, and I'm sure it's being echoed nationally, on the local level and on the national level, of course, has to make it about the social agenda and not about these two deputies' lives. They could have easily been killed. So the media is not making it about them and the hunt for the suspect, and we got to help. How about the media help looking for the suspect? No. No. Instead, they have to make it about social justice and about racial inequality and about systemic racism that doesn't exist uh, in this country. So this report, I was watching it out of KABC. This is a flagship station for ABC Network in Los Angeles. The headline is Ambush Shooting in Compton Leads to Rowdy Protests. Rowdy Protests. What this report is about is when those officers were shot, they were brought to a hospital, St. Francis Medical Center in Los Angeles, in uh, Linwood, they call it. And there were people there blocking the entrance of the vehicles to bring those wounded deputies into the hospital. And they were also shouting, let them die, or we hope them die, or, or disgusting things like that. This is the way they reported out of KABC. A small crowd, interesting modifier, right? A small crowd of demonstrators gathered outside a Linwood Hospital Saturday night where two Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies are being treated after an ambush shooting in Compton. One witness said some of the demonstrators even tried to get inside the building. So they have one more paragraph on that where they quote these people saying that they were hoping that the officers die. 
Okay, so we have one, two, three, four paragraphs on that. And then the rest of the report, this is a written report, but it was also derived from a video report. Shortly afterward, a local radio reporter was also caught up in the chaos and was tackled to the ground and arrested by deputies outside the hospital. And so the rest of the report, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten, ten paragraphs, three, four paragraphs to the shooting and the officers who are fighting for their lives outside the hospital, ten paragraphs to this reporter, and uh, along with tweets, her name is Josie Huang, H-U-A-N-G, I believe that's how you would pronounce it, Josie Huang, um, screenshots, a video of her being arrested, <laughs> screenshots of, 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 of Josie Huang saying, oh, it was uh, all the humanity, I was arrested, I was just trying to do my job. This is how the media reports this. It's outrageous. Not about the fact that these officers were nearly killed. Not about the heroism of one officer treating the other as they waited for help from um, the paramedics. Not about the protesters blocking the entrance of the paramedics and the ambulance to get in the hospital. Not about the shooter, the midget or child who opened fire on these deputies while they were sitting in their patrol car. Not about any of that. They're focused on this radio reporter who was probably targeted because she's Asian. You know, of course, they didn't say that, but this is the insinuation. You know, it's these, these horrible police officers who targeted freedom of the press. This is why I say we have got to be engaged and we've got to take back the media, and we are doing so, just to let you know, of the four pillars of my plan to put this country back on the constitutional rails, one of the four is taking back the media, and we're doing it, but we've got to do more of it, got to get out there on social media and be accurate, take some risks, don't try not to violate these community standards that seem to be a little bit of a moving target like I have. Uh, but the bottom line is get the truth out there and be evangelists for the truth and the Constitution. And this is how we fight back against this effort to turn bad guys into good guys and good guys into bad guys. We take it to them. We bring the truth. And there's going to be X amount of people out there that will never, ever subscribe to what you say and the truth, which hopefully is one and the same, which is what I always try and do. I always try and base... Everything I tell you, all of my opinion is based on fact. A little bit of born and raised in San Francisco intuition. A little bit of Italian blood acumen. A little bit of male bravado thrown in there. But the bottom line is most of what I'm telling you is based on fact. And I encourage you to do the same. That's one way to hold these people accountable. That would be the media. But for the political side, you've got to get engaged. You have got to get engaged at the school board level, especially right now with these nutcases making these decisions for these children not to be in school or forcing them to wear a face covering, which is 
out and out child abuse, in my opinion, when I see parents forcing their children, young children, young, to wear a face mask, forcing them to breathe their own CO2 in over and over and over again, and, and then have a loaded, what we call a loaded mask on their face full of germs. This is child abuse. I hope that when the history books are written, they show pictures of this moment of, of children being forced to wear face masks for eight hours. And they say, what were they thinking? What were these morons thinking back then? Why were they forcing these young people to wear a face covering when they knew it was a detrimental to their health? So you've got to get involved locally. You've got to get involved at the school board level. You've got to get involved at the city council level, the supervisor level, supervisorial level. You've got to get yourself involved. You don't have to aim for the top. You don't have to go to the state capitol and weigh in at the legislature or pick it out in front of the governor's office. You don't have to do that. You can get involved at local level, especially now with the Zoom stuff going on, but I don't even know how you participate in a Zoom meeting. You have to book your time in advance. This is, this is really an attack on the First Amendment, forcing these government entities to meet in a, in a distance setting uh, electronically. Imagine if we didn't have the Internet. Imagine if this was just 25 years ago. Think just 25 years ago. We didn't have Zoom what would we have done then? Just cancel all city council meetings? Cancel all school board meetings? Cancel all legislative meetings across the board? This is insanity. It's absolute insanity. And so we count down to the presidential election. All of this is on the table. People must get involved. And one of the ways you can get involved is to um, certainly tune in to the debates. And the debate schedule is out there. There's one Scheduled at the end of September and then two in October. I think the vice presidential debate is sprinkled in there somewhere in October. And so that's the ledger register for this week. And it is how important are the presidential debates? Um, In my opinion, this debate, these series of debates is going to be more important maybe than any. Yes, most people go in with a preconditioned uh, voting strategy. They're going to vote for one candidate over the other. And certainly that was the case in 2016. And the debates probably just galvanized 99% of the people who watched. However, we have a guy who's running for president of the United States who is senile. And I think that there's a decent chance that that word, senile, may be used by President Trump during the course of these debates, especially as Joe Biden doesn't iterate very well doesn't articulate very well, possibly stumbles, does whatever Joe Biden does best. You know, I like to call him sloppy Joe Biden. I think I'm going to call him senile Joe Biden now because clearly he's got signs of dementia. And so because of Joe Biden and the Joe Biden factor and his mental acumen or the lack thereof, I think these debates are going to be like no other and they're going to be highly watched and they could be Unlike the prior debates, they could be a game changer. So if you're part of the silent majority out there, please be silent no more. Now is the time to speak up because the mainstream media, Democrat cabal, are actively turning bad guys into good guys 
and good guys in the bad. This edition of the Ledger Report is on its way to the Archives Library of Congress. Thank you for listening. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember, if today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. <laughs>